Good morning. Um, welcome to Wyatt. Um, I want to uh, just mention a couple of things before we get going here uh, with the message. And the first is I want to mention Membership Matters, our Membership Matters class, uh, which will be taking, uh, taking place the uh, last Sunday of this month. Uh, you know, August is that time school starting back and, and uh, everyone is kind of done traveling and, and we're back home. And if you don't have a church home that you've covenanted, coveted, I'm going to skip that word because I can't say it, uh, that you've joined together in membership, uh, this is a great time to do that, to just get all, go all in uh, with Wyatt uh, or another biblical church. And so I would encourage you, uh, that class is from anyone who is, who is ready, uh, gung-ho, ready to join us, or anyone who is just has an uh, inkling of a desire that maybe this may be the church for you, and I just want to learn a little more about it. That, that class is for you, and in our connection card this morning, uh, there's a way for you to sign up for that class. And so uh, I would encourage that if you're a guest that uh, hasn't joined with us, uh, we would love uh, to have you here uh, at Wyatt if you need a church home. Uh, the second thing I want to do, I just want to say a prayer. Uh, I don't know about you, but I've been disturbed over the weekend of, of events in our nation uh, of, of hate uh, that is going on um, in Virginia. Um, folks, I hope we all can agree with this, uh, that there's only one thing supreme in this world and in this universe, and it's not a nation, and it's not any particular race. It is Jesus Christ. Amen? And, uh, and I, again, the only solution to some of the hate and the rhetoric that, that we're experiencing in our country uh, is the gospel to change hearts uh, of, of stone and of hate into hearts of love and so uh, through, through the work of Christ. And so I just want to uh, say a prayer, just acknowledge that that's going on and we need to be uh, in prayer for it. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, God, I pray for our nation and the nations around the world that, that struggle with, with different people groups, that are trying to, to get along. God, help us, help the world to realize that it's only through Christ and, and, and through heart change that those things can be overcome. And God, I pray for an advancement of your gospel. I pray for the church uh, to set an amazing example of loving each other, uh, being unified under Christ. God, help us to be a picture of, of what the kingdom of God is like as we all look past all our many, many differences and look to what is supreme, and that is you. And God, help us, help our country. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Um, during the rest of August, uh, we're going to do a short series on giving. Which favorite thing that people like to hear preached on, right, is giving. Um, is what to do with your money. Um, usually that's not people's favorite thing to hear about because it's very personal. And I'll be honest, can I be transparent for a minute? The, the subject that I probably dislike preaching on the most is money. It's possessions, it's giving. Because, um, you know, you give to the church and the church pays me. And, and pays the rest of, of our pastors and staff. And so... It, it feels self-serving. I'm, I'm insecure about that. I'm not trying to be self-serving, but I fear that that may be what it sounds like. 
And also just the televangelists have so perverted giving and they are predators that are seeking to get rich off of people's giving that I sometimes fear even sounding remotely like that. But at the same time, it's all throughout the Bible of, uh, is, is, and throughout Jesus' ministry, he taught on possessions, on giving. And as Americans, uh, the idea of generosity is vital to our faith. If you break us down, if you break our salaries and what we earn, if you compare it to all of the world, folks, we are all the rich young ruler to which it is difficult to get through the eye of the needle to the kingdom of God. So it's, it's very important that we understand this. It's a core value of our church. Is, uh, one of our core values is generosity with our lives and with our possessions. A few years ago, I did a short, another short series on giving. And uh, you probably don't remember this, but I was able to stand before you and say, hey, I'm really excited to preach on giving in a situation where our church, the budget is healthy, uh, the people are giving, and so I'm not preaching on giving because I have to, but to address it uh, because it's a great, it's a great thing that, that we can all look at in our lives. Well, I stand before you this, this morning in a little different situation in that uh, the budget is a little behind. Um, Susan Jones, our, our treasurer, a couple of Sundays ago when the power went out after the service, she said, she said you, ra- you, you missed a great opportunity uh, to take advantage of the power bill uh, needing to be paid. And, uh, and the reality is, is that we're not in any, any type of position where we're not able to, to keep the lights on. That's not where we're at. But the reason I want to address it and, and make sure we stay ahead of it is because as we move into fall, our stewardship committee is going to meet. And I know the heart of our stewardship committee is not to be just really, really, really safe and not just to circle the wagons, but to, uh, to step out in faith and, and uh, look for ministries of, of gospel ministries, of missions, and of taking care of orphans and things like that. Like Their heart is to expand that. And so we have to give them permission to do that through our giving and through having a healthy budget and a healthy giving to our church. And I'm not here to chastise and say, uh, hey, you need to step it up because you're not giving. Last Sunday, as, as the Hambrises shared just uh, their need or, or just their ministry and we were all inspired, uh, you gave 1700 to that need, and at the same time, last Sunday, met budget for the week. And that's amazing. That's awesome to be able to, to take care of the needs of our church and then also just to give generously uh, to, a, uh, to a couple that is translating the Bible uh, into a, a, a people that don't have it. And so I'm not coming. I'm just here to point out the need. To just make you aware, because most of you probably don't know we're a little behind in our budget. And so we want to address that, and we want to talk about giving. So let us turn to uh, 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 15. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 15. And we're going to have, uh, Paul is going to be talking about 
the, the church to, at, at Corinth. Um, he's writing to them about collecting an offering from them. Um, and we want to, there's three churches that are at play in this, in this uh, letter, uh, in this section of, of Corinthians. And so I want to kind of break that down so you know what's happening. And the church in Corinth is a church that we know from 1 Corinthians had a lot of issues. That was Paul's first letter to them. They had a lot of issues. There were uh, a lot of things happening in the church, and Paul called them to take care of some things in that church. We see by the second letter, what we see is, is they are beginning to uh, address those things. and They've done a lot of great things. And so this is a church that's, although for a time was not what they needed to be, they're kind of coming along, taking care of their issues, becoming more of the church that God wants them to be. And so this is who the letter is written to. And in the process, in, in the section we're reading, Paul is going to be talking to them about an offering to be taken up. And he's going to be talking about the churches in Macedonia haven't already given to this offering. Uh, okay, where uh, Paul is writing about them in much of this text. He's praising the generosity. So he's, he's talking about uh, the church in Macedonia and how great they were at giving and kind of trying to inspire and encourage the church of Corinth to give. And then we have the church for which the offering is for, and that's the church in Jerusalem. In Galatians 2.10, Paul says this about the church in Jerusalem. Only they ask us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. So as Paul was leaving to go out to the Gentiles, the Jerusalem church asked them, just asked Paul, said, hey, remember our poor back here. Uh, we, we have a lot of people to be take, to take, taken care of. And so... If you look at the Jerusalem church, we don't know exactly why they had such a need. Some things, it seems, may be apparent. Uh, first off, we see at Pentecost a huge, huge uh, growth in the church of Jerusalem. So it was a big church with lots of people and therefore lots of need. It was also a church in, in persecution, a church that was uh, experiencing lots of persecution. Remember people being fed to lions and, and things of that nature, and, and they were being spread out, people having to run from their home. And so it had created, more than likely created, a lot of poor people. Maybe dad was, was, uh, uh, was killed for the faith and then left uh, a mom uh, and, and, and these kids. So, and then also there, there seems to also be an element that in, in Jerusalem, they were still a little leery because of tradition about Gentile believers, about the Gentiles. And so Paul, I think, also wanted to gather up this money to show solidarity, to show, hey, the Gentiles care about uh, the Jewish people, the Jewish church in Jerusalem. And so that's the setting. So let's read verses 1 uh, through 15. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. 
And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us accordingly. We urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, okay, so they're excelling, right? They're a church that's on the growth, they're, they're doing better. He says this, but as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and in all earnestly and in, your, in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. So he's, he's telling them, he says, man, you're excelling, you're doing great. Be sure to also excel in generosity. Verse 8, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that you love all, your love is also genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. For though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And in this matter, uh, I give my judgment, this benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well, so that your, your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever... Uh, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. And so I just want to take some principles that Paul says, and I want to look at what is the heart of the giver. What is, what is the, the heart that Paul and, and ultimately God desires for the church of Corinth to have as they give to this particular need? The first thing I want us to notice is that we are to give generously out of an abundance of joy. Give as joyful givers. Verse 2 said that the, the Macedonian church, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. The, the Bible cannot be clear on this issue that, that the, the, the people, the giver that God desires is what? A joyful giver joyful giving is an act of of worship where we're just not giving up money we are proclaiming the greatness of god we are proclaiming that god satisfies my heart that it's god who satisfies not my money not my possessions it is god a giver with a grudge only thinks about what they're giving up a joyful giver thinks about what they are receiving by giving to the kingdom. In verse 10, he's talking to the Corinthians now. He says, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. I think that's an interesting statement. Sometimes we ask ourselves, what if I don't want to give? Like, what if I just can't stand the thought things are so tight i can't stand the thought of of tithing much less above that and it seems that that at least some of the corinthian church 
moved into action before the desire was there. They started to take steps of obedience and then then the desire came. They gave and, and they said, oh, ouch. This hurts so bad. This is going to hurt so bad to, um, to start putting this money back for the Jerusalem church. There's just no room in our budget. It's so hard. This hurts. And then after they give, they begin to think, that, was, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Things seem to be, we, nobody's starving in our household. Things seem to be going well. And then it got to the point where, according to this, where they not only gave, but they desired to give. It became, I love this. I love putting this money back for when Paul comes so that we can give to the needs of the church in Jerusalem. They loved it. They desired it. And we tend as people uh, to be people who allow our obedience to follow our feelings instead of letting our feelings follow our obedience. An example that's outside of giving, think about the commands when Jesus says, to love your enemies, and not just love them, but feed them when they're hungry and give water to them when they're thirsty. Think about that for a moment. Think about waiting to feel like doing that. Good luck waiting on the feeling. When someone you know hates you and does not, and maybe in many times wants to kill you, and you give them food and you take care of them, you're not going to feel like doing that, and yet you're called to obedience to do that very thing. And we often find that, that when the obedience happens, and you begin to say, wow, it feels pretty good to make God supreme and not myself, and therefore take care and love my enemies. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was. My heart's kind of growing towards that person that I used to think was my enemy. Is that not what, Matthew, uh, what Jesus says in Matthew 6, 21, when he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That your treasure, your heart will follow your treasure. If you don't care about missions, start giving to a mission project or a missionary. If you... And then watch your heart grow. Kind of like, uh, as Randy Alcorn would say, uh, if you want to care about GE stock, start putting your money in GE. If you care about want to care about Walmart stock, you start investing some money in the Walmart stock and you'll see your heart will be with Walmart. In the same way, if we will invest in the kingdom, our heart will be invested in the kingdom. And whether it is giving or serving your spouse or feeding your enemy, a lack of joy should never be an excuse for disobedience. Often God rewards disciplined obedience with joyful obedience. We see here that next that we see that Paul wants them to give as willing 
givers, as willing givers. It says in Macedonia, uh, talking again about the church of Macedonia, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Paul is praising the Macedonians. He says, we didn't have to poke and prod the Macedonians. On the contrary, they begged us to give to the needs of the Jerusalem church. They begged us to give. And this is what happens when we're satisfied with Christ. Out of the overflow of the joy in Christ comes a desire to give. The church is not the IRS. Amen? Jonathan would at least get a big amen out of that. We're not the IRS. We're not going to threaten you with anything if you don't give. There's churches out there that, that they actually demand the yearly income of their members so that they can watch and chastise their members who, who aren't giving a tithe to the church. We're, we're never going to do that. Because that's not the kind of giving we want. And, and Paul, he even goes so far as to say, this isn't a command that I'm giving you. You don't have to do this. I'm asking you to do this out of the joy and out of the willingness of your heart. The, the Bible does not call pastors to force giving. And don't get me started on people saying, hey, communism is is in conjunction with Christianity because in the Scriptures and the, the, the great outpouring of, of care for one another, no one's made to do that in the early church. It's done out of a willing and joyful heart. It does not compare to some government entity taking all your possessions and distributing it. It's not there. It's, it's not there. Don't try to find it there. Over in, in 2 Corinthians 9 5 it says this about this same offering it says so i thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead uh, to you and to arrange in advance for the gift you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift not as an exaction this is an incredibly practical statement on paul's part paul is saying I'm not going to spring this on you. I don't want to spring this, this offering for the Jerusalem church on any church. I'm not spring. I want you to know about this in advance so that you can plan, so that you can, can gather up. Back in 1 Corinthians 1.16, in the first chapter of the first letter, he's already talking about this offering, and this is what he says. Now concerning the collection for the saints... As I directed the churches of Galatia, so also you are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. Paul lets them know that the need is there and that the offering is coming. And so he, therefore he says, hey, plan for it. At the beginning of each week, Lay something aside for this offering that's going to come. Plan. Make a good plan in how to give to this need. I think that's excellent and that's, that's just great leadership on Paul. I think it's biblical. You know, so many of us say, I'm going to pay my bills 
And then if there's anything left, then I'll give. But Dave Ramsey would say, you've got your budget upside down. That really giving should be the first thing you see how much you could possibly stand to give. And then you pay your bills. Plan. Be a, a good planner. Giving should be the first thing on our budget, not the last thing. And second, we, we see here, we are to give generously out of the abundance of our possessions. What we see here, what, when, when it comes to the decision of how much to give, is, is a tightrope that's so tight, it almost seems it's going to break with contradiction. And it, it's a, it, the tightrope is between being very sacrificial with your giving but also being wise and, and, and careful with your giving. He seems to praise the Macedonians because these people gave beyond what they could give. But then he, his instruction to the Corinthians says, hey, just give out of your abundance. Give according to what you have. Don't put your family at risk. So there seems to be this real tightrope that we have in this in this text first the macedonians the sacrifice of the macedonians let's look at that to, to give sacrificially uh, we should give sacrificially verse two for in a severe test of affliction their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part the Macedonians were living in extreme poverty. I don't know if any of us could say we live in extreme poverty. And yet it says that out of the joy, uh, out of the abundance of joy coupled with their extreme poverty overflowed generosity that somehow a people in extreme poverty were able to work up an amazing gift for other people that were in extreme poverty. Verse 3, it says this, For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord. According to their needs and beyond their needs. I take that to mean what they did is they gathered everything they could possibly gather without putting their lives at risk or putting their family at risk. And after gathering that, they said, and it says out of their own accord, not because Paul said this isn't enough, but out of their own, in their, by, by their own will, fueled by the joy of God, they said, we want to go a little further and, and give a little beyond maybe what we're able. And Paul commends this. He commends this, that, that out of the joy in their hearts, they were able to give even beyond, you know, really risky giving, possibly even. It seems like if any church would be able to say, you know, Paul, we've got our own issues. We've got our own poor, Paul. And, and so but we can't worry about the Jerusalem Christians right now. If any church like, could say that, it would be this church. And yet, they gave 
even beyond what Paul was asking them to do. What a, what a great testament, just, not just to the Corinthians, but to our ch- own church as well. But at the same time, Paul gives the Corinthians instruction to be sure that their own personal needs can still be met. So give sacrificially out of what is available. Verse 12, For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. So he's simply saying that, hey, some of you are going to be able to give more. Right? Like some some of you, you have a lot more than you need. And so you're going to be able to give a lot. And, And he's saying others of you, you're struggling to put food on the table, and so your gift's not going to be as big, and that's fine. You give out of what you have, not out of what you don't have. There's going to be different amounts, but there's going to be an equal sacrifice, in essence. And then verse 13 and 14, he, he goes on and explains it even deeper. He says, for I do not mean that others should be, be see, should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need, that they, uh, so that there may be fairness. In other words, what Paul is saying: Don't take food out of your family's house that's depending on you to feed them to feed some kid over in Jerusalem. Because all you're really doing is, is just moving that burden. No one's actually being helped. There's just burden being moved from here to there. And so Paul says, don't, don't do that. Give out of your ab- abundance. I mean, right now, basically what he's saying is, hey, you're doing better off right now than Jerusalem. Um, something I failed to mention, some people think that maybe even Jerusalem was under a, a drought. And so there's a food, food shortage as well. And so we don't know what was going on, but Jerusalem had fallen on hard times. And he's telling the Corinthian church, hey, you're a lot better off than them, so why don't you help them? And then he, uh, in essence, says, one day when you're not so well off, then they're going to help you. And that's what the church of God does, right? Like, that's what we should do if we all would, would, would support one another. We're... In America, we're afraid to ask for help, and, and, and we, we want to pull ourselves by our own bootstrap. But, but Paul's saying, hey, you know, some, we're going to have ups and downs as the body of Christ, and, and sometimes out of my abundance, I'll be able to take care of you when you have need. And then when you have abundance and I have need, it's just the church of God taking care of one another. And, and this is one reason why I detest so many TV preachers that love collecting money. They seem at times even to target like an old widow and, and tell her, hey, if you're following on hard financial times, hey, send us all your money and then God's going to just multiply and you're not going to have any more financial struggle. The health and wealth guys, they will actually export their evil teaching to third world countries because hey people are in need there and and out of desiring to be out of that financial struggle and that need hey give to us and you won't have that need anymore and it is it is it is satan and it's not shepherds it's it's wolves they are wolves 
you boil down the, the Protestant Reformation to kind of a, a practical cause, you know what the, the practical cause of the Reformation was? We're about to celebrate the 500 anniversary of that. Is Luther saw the church at the, the church at the time, and then he saw his the people in his congregation in need, and the church was saying, "Hey, give money to set people free from purgatory, purgatory, so we can build bigger buildings." Like Luther saw that on a day-to-day basis, he saw wolves saying, "Give us." your money even though you're hungry and in need give us your money so that we may have an abundance to build bigger buildings and more ornate buildings paul cares about the people of jerusalem but he also cares about the people of corinth and he he expresses concern for all the people of god He wants to be clear that although funds are needed, he's also concerned about their well-being. Good shepherds call for the sheep to give out of abundance to help the needs of others. Wolves ask to give out of need to feed others' abundance. If you see someone who's asking people to give out of need so that they can have a lake house and they can have their own private planes run the other way you're dealing with a wolf so what about this this tension praise for the macedonians that giving beyond their needs and instruction to the corinthians about being careful about giving beyond your needs i think it's simply this it's not wrong to go beyond what is asked as long as it springs from joy in christ Paul wasn't about to tell the Macedonians no. When it was springing out of a, a desire and of joy to, to, to give in obedience. More than likely, some of the Corinthians did the same. And Paul, even though he instructed them to be careful, he allowed them to do it because it was coming out of joy and satisfaction in Christ. The problem with us as Americans, though, is, is, is probably lies in our definition of needs, right? We say, man, I, I have so many needs. I need a dependable car, which to us is defined as I need to buy a new car before this one hits 100,000 miles so that I'll have a dependable car when that's not necessarily a need, right? I, I, I'll get in my own kitchen here and, you know, I need to upgrade my iPhone because I'm like two models behind. So I, I need, I can't be two models behind with a new iPhone. I need to, to, to update. And our tendency in, as American Christians is not just to look at food and, and shelter and clothing when it comes to need, but to so many other things that, that aren't really needs, but they're wants or desires. We must take sacrificial giving and wise giving and hold them both together. We need to be like Macedonians and give until it hurts while also making sure that our families have what they need to to live life. Even when the sacrifice is equal, the amounts will vary. And that's fine. 
For some people, uh, for some people, tithing will take all that they can muster. And for others, you know, tithing can just be the beginning and 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 we just we don't look at amounts, we, we look at just the heart, the desire uh, to honor God. And lastly, we are to give out of the abundance of knowing God's grace. Look what verse nine says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. The secret to giving is to love God more and to follow the heart of Christ. To love God more and to be more like Christ. That is the ultimate secret of giving, of being generous. It comes not out of crunching numbers, but out of a satisfaction in God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're to give because we've given ourselves to God. Okay? We're to give, give because you have given yourself to God. Uh, this is what it says about the, the Macedonians. But they, in verse 5, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. And so Paul. Uh, the, the, the Macedonian church, they didn't give because they liked Paul. Even though they probably liked Paul. They didn't give because they felt sorry for Jerusalem. Though they did probably feel sorry for Jerusalem, and that was part of their motiv- motivation. But what this verse says is that they gave, they gave the offering because they had first given themselves to God. And my ultimate desire is, I don't care if we make budget. My concern is that we've all given ourselves to God. And to make sure that, that, that we've given to Him and that, that, that we've given ourselves to Him and, and desire Him and, and desire Him more than possessions or money. And, you know, the giving sh- just should be a symptom of a heart given over the mighty God. But Paul brings in this, this great verse 9 that, that tells us we're to give because God cry, uh, because Christ gave to you. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. Here in verse 9, we're told, the Corinthians are told to look to Christ. He had it all. Okay? This is the gospel. Christ had it all. He was above it all. He was in eternal, perfect, awesome, joyous fellowship with the Trinity of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and and. He was above creation, certainly not experiencing any, anything evil or bad from the world. And what we see in Philippians that we'll be looking at uh, this fall, what we see in Philippians is that, that Paul 
or that I'm sorry, that Christ empties himself. And he becomes obedient even to the point of death. So even though he has everything, he gives all that up to come down and to to have nothing, to have no place to even lay his head. Okay? Like he has a throne in heaven. And he he chose for a season to walk this earth and to have no place to lay his head. And he did that, why? So that for the glory of God, he could clothe us in his righteousness. So that for the glory of of God, he would would take on our poverty, which is our sin, which is our sin and and all the sins and the, the punishment for the sins. He didn't take our sinful nature. He, he, he took the punishment for our sins. Our sins were placed upon Him. So much so that the Father looked away because He couldn't stand the poverty that His Son appeared to have as our sins were laid upon Him. And then He did that so that those of us who would believe, that would trust in Christ, we would receive the royal rich robes of his righteousness and be covered in them so y'all the center of our faith is the generosity of god in giving christ and and letting him be in poverty both as he walked this earth and then ultimately in poverty because our sins were placed upon him so that he might give us the riches of his grace And so how can we, as people that believe that gospel, that have been saved by this gospel, do anything other than to be people who are generous with our lives, with our possessions, with our time? We merely must follow in the footsteps of Christ and what He so graciously displayed for us. I'm going to ask you to please stand as our musicians come. Maybe you don't know Christ. Maybe what I just talked about, you can't be generous because you're still in the poverty of your own sin. Listen, if you would trust in Christ, that poverty would would be placed on Him. And His riches would be of His grace would be placed upon you. And I encourage you that if you don't know Jesus Christ, if you never trusted in Him in that way, I'm, I'm down here, I would love to talk with you. But let us all as Christians think through our hearts, not just about money, but about our time and our efforts. And, and let's think about, are we truly living as people that have so graciously benefited from Christ emptying himself up so that emptying himself so that we might be filled with the riches of God. Are we really living as people who've experienced that? Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, God, I thank you for Christ. God, I thank you for his poverty, which meant my riches. God, none of us deserve that. But you freely freely gave and I pray that we as people would be people that freely give that 
God, that we take care of the needs of our church, that we take care of the needs of our family, that we take care of the needs of our friends, of missionaries that, that need our help and, and global causes, and orphans, God, that we might be a people. God, help us to be a people that are generous with everything that we are. Move in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.